it's inspiration for you. We're enlarging worlds with growth stories. Listen your way. Tune in for fresh stories brought to you by Unit for Hosts. Join us for this week's inspiration for you. Hi there, Unit for Fam, and welcome to another edition of Inspiration for You podcast. I am Manav Singh, General Manager and Global Head of PSA Suite, and today we're going to talk about problem solving. Over time, I've had my fair share of being faced with complex situations, both personally and professionally, getting through which have made me passionately relate to the art of problem solving. Problem solving is usually seen purely as an analytical exercise, but in essence, it's really a mindset and a way of thinking and approaching challenges. Today, we're going to explore some key elements on what it takes to be an effective problem solver. And to share insights on this topic, I have with me Christoph Hoven, our Executive Head of Commercials and Pricing. Welcome, Christoph. Manav, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. I feel honored being a guest on this. So indeed, Christoph Hogan here. Great to be on this podcast. I lead, indeed, commercial for Unit 4. Excellent. Christoph, to start things off, what makes you relate so strongly to the topic of problem solving? I guess similar to you, I, I'd said have a fair amount of experience and actually in in different flavors. So my background, I started my career in research. Early days, basically started doing research at Stanford in computer science. And you can appreciate in that context, I mean, problem solving, this was in the space of artificial intelligence, takes a bit of a dimension on its own. To then I joined what I'll call the real world that moved into into for-profits, into the business, still in tech. And similar there, problem solving became actually, it's, it's something you encounter pretty much every day. You can face different sets of problems, but they, at the end, there are problems, you're trying to find a solution for them. And I'd want to say that over time, I've picked up a number of ways of approaching them, but also ultimately tips and tricks on how I consider being an effective problem solver. Excellent. That's, that's quite a diverse background, Christophe. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot to learn here. So to, to set this up, right, to, to start this off, what, according to you, are the key elements of a problem solver? I think they're a combination of things. And it's always, in these situations, very risky to go too general. And, but let me uh, pone down a couple of things. I think first, you've mentioned it in the opening, the word mindset. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. But I think that's that's probably the first and, and at the heart of um, how you'd actually go about solving problems is do you have the right mindset to do it? The second, I think, is you do need some form of an approach or a process. And there probably isn't a right answer, but I think the better or the approach that you have that fits you uh, and you can repeat over time and learn from probably makes you more effective. And last but not least is the evaluation. Like, how do you evaluate your answers? And what sources um, do you have or do you go to to evaluate answers? And also, who do you involve in that process? So those, in essence, probably the three key areas for me, mindset, the approach, and the evaluation. It's very interesting, Christoph. I'd love to sort of dive uh, deeper into, into each one of these uh, and get your perspective on those, right? So to start off with, I fully agree 
that the psychological setup is is such an important step to begin with. And you you know you sort of alluded to that as also being one of the first points around the mindset and the point around being mentally prepared for problem solving. Can you elaborate on you know what does that mean for you, or what are some of the key facets of this that you've come across? So I think the the mindset idea, and let me try to pinpoint to a few things here is. I guess first off is sounds maybe logical, but an open mindset, right? I mean, the sheer fact you think you're facing a problem probably means you don't cannot think of obvious answers. And that actually takes you back to, well, you need to take a step back and you need to look at it holistically and avoid probably the biggest thing here. The risk is falling into preconceived ideas or in parallel to that, a little bit, the, the I don't have the answer type of syndrome and I can't get the answer type of syndrome, right? So first is really that open mindset and a little bit that I can figure this out. The second thing is linked to I can figure this out is not being afraid of failure or not being afraid that the journey effectively may entail you getting to some wrong answers before you get to the right answer. And, and by the way, at the end, there may not be a right answer. There's probably a number of right answers. So, but the point around failure is important because I think that can really very quickly get you into a dead end whereby you just feel stuck. And the last but not least, overarching these two is persistence. I think if you, if you do want to solve a problem, you, you've got to set your mind into it, set your energy into it. And that requires persistence. It, especially, I mean, we, we, depending on, we'll come to some examples later on here, but there are probably smaller problems, bigger problems. And some of these will really require persistence to get to the end of it. So that's, I think, the combination of these things, which Manav, in my view, makes this mindset really critical is, is you've got to start with an open mind, not look at it as what if I fail and last but not least persist, because I think it's in the gift of everybody to, to crack and um, and find answers. So, Christoph, picking up on a few words here, right, about persistence and also not being afraid of failure. But of course, you know, I, I, as we would all acknowledge, failure is uh, there is a real probability that sometimes failure does uh, occur. And I can imagine that being persistent in the face of success is rather easy and self fulfilling. How would you say that someone be persistent in in the face of failure? I'd be curious if you've come across any such interesting situations in in your life. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think, and I'll try to use an example here that hopefully will um, appeal to a number of you. Anything you negotiate, um, and for the matter here, commercial negotiations, has its, I guess, boundaries or, or combination of successes and failures. You are effectively trying to, as you negotiate, finding the balance between what you want versus what the other party wants, whether that be a customer or something you're looking to buy or sell. And there, obviously, by trying to move things forward, you're bound to hit failures. You're bound to hit the point where the other party says, no, I can't agree or no, that's not acceptable to me. And and it also comes because it's done, I guess, person to person. It comes with a quite relatively, sometimes quite strong emotional aspect to it where you really felt, wow. I completely missed this. And I, I think there, and, and again, I use the, the example of negotiation because that's the type of situation you, you've got to recover quickly from because otherwise you're just a bigger risk of just not being able to end the negotiation. 
So I think a couple of things here, how you overcome this and how you overcome this perception of I failed. I, I didn't get what I wanted out of this and I'm getting a rejection. I'm having to move on. The first is just what have you learned from that specific situation, from the feedback you got in the way you presented the facts or your arguments to the other side and what you learned and what they responded. Uh, what do you take away from that? That's quite important because if you're going to move on to something, and if you're going to take yourself closer to an answer, you need to reflect on what do you know as of now. The second thing is keep progressing. It comes back to the point around persistence, right? Do not get bogged down. Because if you start going down that spiral of I failed, I didn't read it right, I made the wrong suggestion, you're never going to go back into a positive um, track of, well, actually, this can move forward. So you've got to keep progressing because that's where you're going to get some of the positive momentum going forward. And the last but not least is then don't be afraid to, to switch tack, right? to switch the approach a bit. I mean, if you've gone down a path where you failed, as I said in this example here that I face, I guess, quite a few times trying to negotiate something, you get a rejection. Well, take yourself one step back and say, okay, this is what I learned. I want to keep progressing. What's the next angle I'm going to pursue? And hopefully you create some positive energy out of that and you get actually success or more success with a different approach. It almost sounds, uh, Crystal, that's a very interesting take on, on persistence, right? Because it's essentially what we're saying is it's not really about hitting your head against a wall and hoping that it breaks, but it's essentially taking a step back, seeing what doesn't work and having the ability of making changes so that ultimately you do progress forward. Absolutely. I think it's the, it's the progression forward, right? And, and that's, I think, what we'll come a little bit enough to talk about about the process, right, in terms of how do you ensure that, that you do keep progress? And as I said, and I think under this process piece of the approach, if you want, and, and this is something you have to find your own approach, what works for you. So I'm not claiming here by any lead of the imagination that there's a, some sort of preset, here is the right approach and everything else is wrong. But I think there are probably at least two things to call out under the approach. One is I've found out it's very useful to at least have an hypothesis of you're trying to solve something and almost imagining yourself, well, from not knowing right now, what do I believe the answer can be? Or what do I, with the information I have, foresee the answer to be? And laying that out as almost a baseline of what you're working towards is very helpful. I mean, it's helpful because it gives you a bit of an objective. It gives you a, this is what, to this point around progress, this is what we're aiming to get to. And the second is it helps you to steer the journey on the way. What I mean by that is it helps you to either affirm what you believe or to basically get information to infirm and, and actually prove yourself wrong. As opposed to you don't know at all what you're searching for. It's a bit of the blank piece of paper. You're trying to collect information as well as you're trying to analyze that information and determine, well, does that help me or not help me? And in that context, it's very difficult. You're doing a, a number of things in parallel. It's very difficult to pull yourself out and to say, okay, was this helpful or was it not helpful? Was this right or was it wrong? Is this getting me closer or is this getting me further away? So again, having an upfront hypothesis or an upfront answer is, I think, quite useful. The second thing, and this will depend a little bit on how your mind is set up, but having some set of steps on how you're going to get there. Like you, you have a sense of where you are today. You can understand the problem. You can see the different aspects of the problem. You've laid out a little bit what you think the answer is while understanding how you're going to get from A to B. Like, what do you need in terms of information? 
What do you need in terms of input? What do you need to reflect on? What are you trying to balance? Who do you need to talk to? What are the actions you need to take? But again, some sort of roadmap on where you go from here to actually, I will be closer to an answer or closer to a, a solution to the problem. So Christoph, one of the things that I, I usually uh, hear back or it comes up in discussions with, with, with different groups is a classic uh, sort of a left brain, right brain argument, right? Where you, you assume or at least it, it, you, you feel like the fact that you require a hypothesis or an answer up front and need to have clarity around sort of steps that you need to make, that's considered sort of to, that is considered that you need a lot of, or you need a strong ability to think structurally to be, to be able to build that clarity, right? And also acknowledge that, you know, there are some people definitely have a skew towards being far more creative versus, you know, people who think sort of more analytically. How would, you know, how should someone who has a little bit of, a uh, little bit more of a creative bent on their way of thinking, you know, how could they adapt to still be able to do this? And not and you know not be overwhelmed by the need. Absolutely, and th- this is where I guess dif- there will be different ways of how to approach this. As you said, left brain, right brain, more logical, more creative um, approaches. I-, I think uh, overarching all of this, right? Find find a way that works for you, right? So at the end, it's most important is what are you comfortable with, like in terms of how are you comfortable trying to effectively lay out what you think the pieces of an answer can be. And, and you mentioned, hence, well, how would you, for more creative um, type individuals, how would you approach it? Well, first thing, I'm, I'm like, if I take my case, I'm, I'm, I'm a very visual person, right? So I need to put things on paper. I need to visualize them. So clearly, what I typically do, I mean, a pen and paper are my friends. Um, and that's where I start, right? So it's just second to that, depends where you are. But some people are then more like images are better than words. So again, or like if you mind maps, if you want to go there, right? Trying to group your thoughts into these are more elements that, that link together. And, and ultimately, and this starts in their chapters of things written around this, right? And refer people to, to probably things like design thinking, whereby there are a number of approaches, right? From mind mapping into, well, how to draw solutions, etc. But I don't think, I guess to short, that because you are more creative, that puts you at any sort of shortfall or less well-equipped to do that. I think it's just a matter of finding, again, the, the, the right way of working that for you works to, to lay down, okay, here is my thoughts around the answer. And actually, I'd argue you are, if you are a, a more creative person, actually more likely to come to have a better overall view of what the answers can be because you will not take a, here is the various steps and, and almost hold back your thinking and your thought process by the fact you need to go through logical steps, which is the clear pitfall uh, when you are more logically uh, and structured in, in your thinking is that you tend to hold back your thought process and, and also are probably almost very likely to be um, suffering from some sort of bias one way or another, which is less likely if you are just pure creative in, in, in how you think about this. Excellent. So Christoph, taking the topic or taking the sort of flow of thought here forward, right? So we've talked about the mindset, we've talked about some of the tooling and the process to help to help progress the process of problem solving. Going back to, you know, so one of the elements that you mentioned, which was around of validating or evaluating your answer, right? How, how are, I'd love to, I'd love to get your thoughts around 
uh, you know, what does that mean for you, right? What, what, what's the best way or what are the best approaches in, in sort of validating that what you have as a process and as an answer is, is something which is fit for purpose? Sure. I guess trying to keep it simple, there are probably two ways. Um, one is uh, a data-driven way. Uh, and, and another approach is a bit more of an experience driven. And I think in essence, the answer is probably somewhere in between. It's finding that balance between data facts to validate and then relying upon your, uh, your experience. The, the data driven approach, I think there are obviously a couple of watch out, right? You, you want to avoid obviously that you, you end up in like paralysis by analysis, right? Whereby you're just so hungry for information, you think you're going to be able to prove everything with data. It's especially true, I think, in the corporate world, whereby we are today in, in overwhelmed with information. We're, we're typically never short of having data, but hence the biggest risk is do we have the right data and, and understanding or at least pinpointing to what is relevant for the problem at hand and what's relevant to indicate the solution. So actually spending more time up front thinking through what, what are the, the, the key data points uh, or the key types of information and typically also the fewer, the better. Uh, believing you can get the full 100% accurate picture with data is also, I think, quite dangerous. So I think holding back saying, listen, there are a couple of pieces of data that are really relevant that will really give us the strongest indication and then going about how you find them. And leaving it open, I guess, also for data is, is never perfect. So this is also where experience comes in, where you have to take and be able to come to a a degree of comfort, not solely on the base of data, but also linking in your experience. But clearly experience also comes with its own trade falls or pitfalls, whereby, especially over-relying on experience, that my point around bias previously, right? So at some point you think you've seen these patterns in the past and you come to conclude, well, that's what I've seen, hence what the conclusions that should be drawn, as opposed to actually this could be something different. So again, short, I think it's a balance between the two. It's a balance between data-driven versus experience-driven with clearly some pitfalls in, in both situations to be aware of uh, on how you're actually going to be evaluating your answers. And last but not least, and this is where I guess it opens up another chapter and probably a, a topic for another podcast, but is as you look to evaluate answers is where it opens it up for collaboration. So how do you bring in others into your problem solving? And how do you leverage especially others? And Julie, in, our, in her previous uh, podcast, alluded to uh, brain borrowing, which I found is a very interesting term and actually a great, great way of, of um, collaborating effectively. Yeah, you use other people's inputs, use other people's experience and capabilities to help you in, in your own problem solving. And I think this is where you can open another chapter, as I said, on collaboration. But when you think about what makes an effective problem solver is, I don't think a person is effective just simply by their own. They're effective because they probably can bring, we've talked about some elements here in terms of mindset. They probably have the right attitude, the right energy. Second, they can lay out a process, a process that I think fit for them, but also can involve more people. But as I said, last not least, as they evaluate answers, as they seek, or as they um, look for ways to finding the answers, they involve, they involve others and leave the room for others and, and also leave room for themselves to be challenged by what others may tell them. Because I think it'd be a, a completely false prophecy to believe that you have the answer in yourself. Most likely the answer will come from the outside and there will be a question, are you willing to accept it or not? Excellent. 
Christoph, thank you very, very much for sharing your perspective with us with us today. I'm sure I'm sure that our listeners would have gotten some very interesting uh, tips and tricks to evolve and improve on their problem-solving mindset and the toolkit that they have. So really appreciate you taking the time and shedding light on this topic. I'd like to move this into our next segment, which is really aimed at sort of uh, getting to uh, know each other uh, better, which is our rapid fire segment. So Christoph, just to, I sent you a note to sort of think about a few things that you would like to ask me. I've definitely spent the time to of a few questions that I'd like to ask you. So the way this works is a very classic rapid fire. I've got three questions for you. You'd have a couple of seconds to answer them. And I'm hoping that the, these are quite uh, light questions. So it should be fun. So if it's okay with you, Christoph, I'll go first. And, and then, and then uh, you get to grill me if you'd like. I will. All right. Fire with All your right. first question. Excellent. So Christoph, question number one, uh, very, very important. What's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Uh, so short, Mexican. I guess discovered good Mexican food about you know, a bit over 20 years ago when I moved to San Francisco. And the good news is in between then, we managed to find good food as well, good Mexican food as well here in Europe, especially in London. So that's my, uh, that's my go-to, uh, my go-to order of food, uh, Mexican food. Interesting. All right. Next question, Christoph, ask for permission or beg for forgiveness? Ah, tricky one, but actually quite clear and uh, beg for forgiveness. All right. Interesting. Last question from my side, your go anywhere, do anything wish. Oof. Well, I have to say, I, and some, you know, I like sailing a lot, so it'd have to be on a boat. I'd have to be on a sailing boat. <laughs> and then I'll say effectively, and the nice thing with a boat, you can go pretty much anywhere. So, but uh, if we could start in the Caribbeans and with my family, this would be the dream. It sounds like you've got a vacation plan. A exactly. Uh, which is <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. All right, Good. Well, all right. enough. Let me let me let me fire here as well. So I've I've thought a little bit about what I could what I could be asking. So let me start the following. Let's start soft here. If you had to, what would you binge watch? What would I binge watch? I would binge watch. So two options. I would binge watch the series called Entourage. I could watch that at any point of time. Or I would binge watch the first two seasons of Prison Break. Very, very uh, old school. The original seasons, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, good choice. Good choice. And Entourage, yeah, it's, there's nothing like an old, uh, I guess it's, I don't know if we can call it uh, a little bit old school, but definitely a classic. You asked me previously a bit about failure. What, what is something you failed at? This one, this was very, this was very easy. I failed at my first startup and I'd like to highlight, I failed at it miserably. <laughs> so we, I, I ran a startup for about uh, nine months, eight years ago around real time mobile advertising, creating a platform in that space. And I watched it crash and burn and learned a lot out of it, but it was, uh, it was, it was a spectacular failure. You know what they say, right? If you're going to fail, fail fast and then, in, uh, in recover the, from in, there. Indeed, indeed. And my last question, what's the best advice someone has given you? So keeping to the theme of problem solving, actually, one of the best advice somebody gave me was if you are trying to solve a problem that you don't have a solution to or you can't solve because it is out of your control, then it ceases to be a problem and becomes a fact. Um, now, I know that sounds very anti-problem solving, but for me, it's been very useful because it helps you eliminate the noise 
and it helps you isolate things that you can actually change and control and work around versus things that you really can't do anything around right and it's for me that's like a stream right where you've got rocks on the way and you basically find your way around them until you're in a position to slowly chip at those things away so that i i found to be an extremely extremely useful piece of advice interesting indeed gives people a bit to reflect on in light of our uh, previous discussions but um, Manav, thanks for the answers thank you for having me hopefully yeah. to our listeners they found this useful try to break it down a little bit, what we think is makes an effective problem solver. So Manav, I'll let you with the final words. Absolutely. No, Christoph, thank you very much for spending your time. This has been, uh, this has been absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I really had a great time. I think with, with this, uh, we come to the end of this podcast. To all our listeners, I really hope that you enjoyed the session and, and, and got some useful tips and uh, tricks out of it. If you have any thoughts or comments, we would love to hear from you. Until then smash that like button, stay well, stay safe, and we'll see each other soon. Cheers, bye-bye.